I will speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Brothers and sisters, today, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we have arrived at the final Sunday for our church year, the Sunday proclaimed as the Feast of Christ the King. As hard as it may be to believe, next Sunday we will be moving into a whole new season of Advent, beginning again that amazing story of Christ's coming to be in the presence of us, both at Christmas at Christ's nativity, and at the end of the ages, at Christ's return. But this morning, before we start the greatest story ever told once again, we are called upon to remember and take to heart who Jesus is to humanity and who Jesus is to the world. We are called upon to see Jesus Christ as the true Lord of Lords and the true King of Kings, God with us who will finally sit on the throne to judge all of creation. And I think it extremely important before we go any further this morning that we be reminded that this particular festival day is actually a day that was established for the church not thousands of years ago as so many of our services are, but only during the last century, being first added to the church calendar in the year 19 and 25. And why did the church suddenly decide it needed to declare the last Sunday of the liturgical year as a feast dedicated to the image and solemnity of Christ the King? Well, because by the time, by the time we as a people had reached the 20th century, the world had already had more than its fair share of tyrannical totalitarian leaders and kings. And of course, the 20th century was already shaping up to be a century that was not just to see one world war, but two world wars. So it obviously had become incredibly important that the church remind Christians of the only true king of whom we are called to serve, Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. That was the very purpose of the establishment of the Feast of Christ the King for this final Sunday of the Christian year. And I have to say, brothers and sisters, and I bet some of you will agree with me, that maybe, just maybe, that's as important a message to be reminded of here and now in the 20th century, 21st century as it was nearly 100 years ago. For today, as we Americans continue to bicker and to argue and to cling to our partisan politics over who we will follow next, all the while struggling through the latest global pandemic, waiting for human science and medicine to find some way to fight it into submission, then perhaps those of us in the church need to be redirected to that which is greater than us ourselves. Maybe we need desperately right now to be called back to embracing the one hope and promise that has carried humanity through every war and plague for the past two millennia. Maybe we need to be reminded more than ever before of the ultimate authority and kingship that belongs to God alone through Jesus Christ. The readings that we just heard this morning, I think, provide us so perfectly with the message of expectation and required action for us as people who claim to know and follow this true king. 
We begin today with that first amazing reading, which is without question, I think, one of the most important passages of the Old Testament for us as Christians in the church today. And it comes to us from one of the greatest, wildest, most complex Jewish prophets found in the Hebrew Bible, the prophet Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel had began his adult life as a regular priest in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, just before the great Babylonian invasion and captivity. And after he was caught up in that very dark, unexpected time for Israel, it will be Ezekiel who becomes the prophet to the Israelites during their exile in Babylon. This morning, Ezekiel presents God's great foretelling of how God will finally save his people from the failures of men with a new plan for the salvation and restoration, not just for the Israelite people, but for the whole world. What we don't hear in this morning's readings is what God had proclaimed through Ezekiel in the earlier verses of chapter 34. In verses 2 through 5, God says this, Ah, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick, you have not bound up the injured, you have not brought back the strayed, you have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. This is God's charge against the earthly kings and leaders of Israel and perhaps for the whole world. So the Lord proclaims through Ezekiel, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flock when they are among their scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Friends, that's an extremely powerful proclamation that Ezekiel is making in that time. And it is the great moment that God announces to his people the only plan that is ever going to work for the restoration of all of us. Not kings or queens or prophets or leaders, but only God. God's self coming to be the shepherd to gather and to save his people. And it is the message of God to his chosen people in a particularly hard time of fear, of violence and of kidnapping. God will come among them and deliver them still. And God will be the shepherd for which they have so longed and dreamed of. And so 600 years later, when Jesus stands among his own followers and he uses those incredible words that we hear proclaimed in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I know my own and my own know me. I am the good shepherd. It is within that that we have something incredible given to us that perhaps we don't understand or pick up when we read it in the church today. 
Because Jesus is announcing something incredible. He is announcing that he himself is the fulfillment of Ezekiel's great prophecy. That Jesus is not just some other prophet who's wandered into the countryside. He's not even like a great Jeremiah or Hosea or John the Baptist. Jesus is in fact the great I am. The people who have been looking for the great I am have found the shepherd who's finally come to begin gathering and healing and strengthening and bringing salvation to God's promised people. And brothers and sisters, this is also an announcement of a new understanding of what kingship will be in God's creation. For it is not going to be an earthly kingship of power and wealth and brute force, but it will now be a heavenly kingship of grace, of charity, of forgiveness, and of sacrifice. A kingship where the king is a good shepherd and the good shepherd loves the sheep so much that the king will lay down his life to save them all. This is the one and only king we as followers of Christ must always hold on to, proclaim, and choose to serve. I think that incredible benediction that we find later on in the New Testament in the letter to the Hebrews perhaps lays all of this out for us on this day the most succinctly. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 20 through 21 finishes with this blessing. May the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. That brings it all together. And it is a kingly blessing to not only follow the great shepherd, but also to take this kingship upon ourselves. A kingship that is given to us as the hands and feet, the body of Jesus here in the church when we receive our baptism. To go about doing God's will right here and right now. And this, of course, brings us finally to this morning's gospel. For here in the conclusion of Matthew 25, just before Jesus is about to move in the story of his passion and his crucifixion, and his resurrection, Jesus reveals how we, as sons and daughters of the King, are to live out this new life God has given us through God as the Good Shepherd. For just as Jesus has done for us, we are to turn around and do it ourselves for those who are next to us and those who are in need and those who we meet. In fact, brothers and sisters, this is what the judgment we will face before the throne of Christ the King will be based upon. How you and I responded to those who we meet in our day-to-day lives through this journey of our life. For the Son of Man says to the sheep that are at his right hand, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. I think that sums it up for us in every possible way. As Jesus said in the gospel just a few weeks ago, the greatest commandment that we as Christians are required to follow, to be true disciples of Jesus, are that we love God and we love neighbor. 
This is the how-to guide for us as Christians. And Jesus lays it out even more for us today by telling us that we fulfill and accomplish that great commandment by being willing to feed and hydrate and clothe and welcome and heal and visit those who we care about as well as those who we meet as strangers along the road. Maybe even some of those that we'd never ever think of as our neighbors. That's how we, as a family of God, have to do it. And in this very physical world, where we might be quick to imagine that this directive of Jesus, the king and the shepherd, is only about outreach or hands-on service to the poor, we must also see the inner spiritual component required of us as Jesus' disciples. Sure, we must help those who need food and shelter, just as we're trying to do this morning here at All Saints with our fall food drive. But let us never forget that some people out there we will meet will already have all the food and sustenance that they need for their bodies. And what they need right now in their lives is food for their souls. Maybe they have all the water that they need to keep themselves hydrated. But what they are really thirsting for is God's word and Jesus' love. Maybe they have the nicest home in all of Jacksonville. But what they long to find is that never failing shelter from all of life's storms. In the middle of darkness, they long to receive the light and hope that will never come to us from worldly leaders or from the things we want, but can only come to us from God. This is where our belief and our assurance in the King of Kings is so equally essential. We can all get our hands dirty and do good works. But we need to also be able to speak the real truth to power and share the faith that assures us that the Good Shepherd wants to gather all of us together and provide us with something deeper than what this world and its pandemics and politics can ever provide or take away from us. We need a real king in which to put our faith. We need a real shepherd to seek us out in these days of clouds and thick darkness. We need a God of peace and love that is reminding all of us every step of the way that no matter what we are being thrown at right now, whatever we're facing, if we can just cling to Christ and put God's promise and direction above everything else, we too will have the option of one day hearing God's voice say to you and me, come, you that are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. May we always focus everything we have on the true king. God, our father, Jesus, his son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.